Boondoggle Podcast, podcast by the Boondog. Stories of people not written by the Boondog. Episode 4 of the Boondoggle Podcast. This is a podcast where I read stories from a book that I found once. I didn't write it. Uh, I found the book uh, in a cafe. Um, so yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't in one of those sections where you um, swap your book out and you you bring along a book and then you take one of their books. It wasn't in one of those sections. It was actually surprisingly. It was. Um, it was underneath the leg of a table. It was just used as like a something to even out the the table. And um I just well I kicked it by accident and then I thought, hmm that looks like an interesting book. And I so I pulled it out, the table wobbled a bit and we spilt our drinks. But on the front cover it said the Boon Doggle. And so I, yeah, I looked into the um, book and I saw that it was c- contains many, many, many stories. Uh, I mean, if you've got to episode four, I'm sure you know that by now. It contains a number of stories featuring all kinds of crazy characters and some not so crazy characters. And since it's called the Boondoggle, and I believe I am a conduit for said book. I have given myself the title of The Boondog. And so you are listening to The Boondoggle Podcast. We are now in... So as I record this, we are in week... I think it's week four of lockdown during the corona, corona COVID-19 crisis. And uh, I think it's taken its toll. Uh, last week I said... I wasn't struggling. Last week I said I was quite enjoying it. Of course, a lot of people are going through some tough times. But personally, I was, uh, yeah, finding it pretty easy. It was going pretty well for me. I mean, it still is. But the cracks are starting to show on week four. And uh, I've heard a few other people say this. I think another three weeks will be uh, desperate for some social interaction, just hugging people, high-fiving. But enough of that, enough of that talk, enough of that talk. Uh, what have I been doing? Well, the good thing, a good thing to do in a time like this is to have a routine. I've got a routine of, um, I've taken up penny boarding again. Do you remember that? When you're on penny boards, those little... Um, Colourful skateboards with smooth wheels. Uh, yeah, I've taken, got mine back out and I've got a, a daily tradition of around 5.30 when I've done my um, the stuff I need to do. I'll get it out and I'll skateboard down. There's a, there's a road, there's a hill and the first few days I would put my foot down and uh, try and slow myself down but I've decided to... Um, Add a bit more excitement into my life. Uh, similar to one of the characters in our story, uh, Iron Efficiency Man. I've tried to give myself the feeling of having a firework up my ass, And uh, so now I um, I go down that hill and I don't break at all. 
and uh, it's, I mean, it can be quite scary sometimes, and it's probably not a good idea to um, increase the um, increase the demand on the NHS at a time like this, but it's something that gets me excited, eh? Shall we begin? Story number, oh, I forgot to say, uh, so usually, well, last, the previous two weeks, I've said, Hello to my Austrian friend. I thought it would be a, an ongoing mystery as to who my Austrian friend was, who our Austrian listener is. Uh, but now I've been told who it is, so the mystery's gone. But uh, still, I'll keep saying hello to my Austrian friend, although the mystery has gone. She knows who she is. Let us begin. Story. Number one. This one's called The Fastest Hand in the West. Well now, come on, boy. Show me what you got. Dorothy wants some of that cash and she ain't leaving till she gets it. She waved her pistol around the bank, clearing away all the other customers. Once they were out, she left her gun lingering on the bank clerk, who shook so much you could hear his knackers clanging together. He quivered. The sheriff what? He gonna come in here and stop Dorothy Crocker? The fastest hand in the West? I very much doubt that, Mr. Banker. Now hand over those notes you got stored back there and we'll leave this room with a smile on our faces. Don't that sound something special? She dumped her sack on the desk and flicked her gun towards it. The clerk followed the orders obediently. Her hair was tied tightly up beneath her wide-rimmed hat, shielding her unwieldy eyes from the world. For she had seen things. She turned to the door to see the wide-stance silhouette of one Randall Mulligan. This was a man not to be messed with. He also had a wide-rimmed dark hat on, shielding his unwieldy eyes from the world. Had he seen things? You bet he had. He'd also let his moustache grow well over his mouth, demonstrating an obscene amount of testosterone. On his chest was pinned a dirty sheriff's badge. This guy did not play by the rules. Now hold on there, dollface. If you're in my town, you play by my rules, muttered Randall. Well, well, looky here. Sheriff come to save the day. What makes you think you stand a chance against me? I've been gunslinging since I was born. I shot my way out my mother's stomach, and I liked it. I don't expect she did. It was a difficult birth, but that's neither here nor there. Now you step aside and we'll all go home happy. I don't think so. You know you're talking to the fastest hand in the West. You must be mistaken, mister. She turns to the bank clerk. Now what's his name? Randall Mulligan. The man quivered once more. Mr. Randall Mulligan, you must be mistaken. As I told this gentleman right here, I am the fastest hand in the West. This was quite the conundrum. Randall scratched his chin with his pistol. Which part of the West are you from? He said eventually. The West of the West. Well, that must be the problem. See, I'm from the east of the west. Dorothy laughed a great big howl. 
Oh, I see the trouble here. You got yourself a high and mighty thinking you're the fastest hand in the West when you only been to the East or the West. And you're the, and you're the same. But the West or the West. She laughed again, but Randall didn't move an inch. So seeing as we find ourselves right here in Santa Fe, right in the middle of the West, I guess we never found reason to cross paths. Until now. Both pointed their guns at one another. Both had eyes that had seen things. And right now, both pairs of eyes saw each other. Nothing could break their focus. Except for the cry of a baby. Randall glanced to his left and caught sight of the source of the cry. Wow, what a crazy little thing to interrupt this situation. Who would leave a baby like that in a basket like little Moses? Said Dorothy. Randall darted over to the basket and took the baby in his arms. This ain't no Moses basket. There ain't no such thing as Moses because there ain't no God. This is a godless town we live in. Then we zoom in on his eyes and he says, This is the Wild West. Randall stared into the baby's eyes. In those eyes he saw his own. There doesn't need to be another Randall Mulligan growing up in this world. I'm going to call you. He looked around for inspiration. Bank. Bank! Dorothy called from the doorway, for she had slipped past him while he was distracted. What kind of name is Bank? Fair point. Clerk, then. He decided, turning to Dorothy. But she was gone. Randall nestled Clerk in his arms and sung him a little lullaby. Sleep, boy, sleep, boy, shut those eyes, kid. Whoa, looks like you got something I need and it sure ain't that singing voice. Came a call from the doorway. More trouble. Randall looked up to see the fat man wearing a pristine white suit covered in rhinestones. His white handlebar moustache, his white handlebar moustache bounced as he spoke. Wally Harry Langdale, why do I have the displeasure of seeing you in this godforsaken town? That there kid you be holding in those there arms of yours don't belong to you. I never saw you as the fatherly type. You see, that dead kid has a certain pair that could come in handy for a guy in my line of work. His name is Clerk, and he sure as hell don't shit gold. Randall smelt the child's nappy. He shits shit. That may be, but why don't you have a little look-see at this? Wiley Harry Langdale reached in his pocket and withdrew a little sack. From the sack he pulled a small chunk of gold. He threw it to Randall. Clerk began to cry and his cheeks turned bright red. That kid knows where to get the gold, you see. He's a gold hunter. Why, that's a mere dermatological condition. Dermatological condition, or not. Dermatological, dermatological condition, or not. The kid is mine. Afraid I can't let you do that, Harry. 
This key needs a good life. But wily Harry Langdale held fort in the doorway. You've been sheer of long enough to know that I ain't the kind of person who enjoys that kind of back talk. Randall drew his gun and shot it at Harry's feet. He yelped and dived out of the doorway, leaving a gap for Randall to run through. Carrying little clerk, he ran outside to his horse, finding Dorothy still there perched on her own horse. Well, look at you. You got yourself a companion, she said. Thought you'd be long gone, girl. My horse just ain't cooperating, it seems. Randall untied his horse and hopped on with Clerk. Ain't you gonna arrest me? She asked. I got myself a new enemy in that wily Harry Langdale. I would never cut out to be a sheriff anyway. He gave his horse a nudge and off it went, with Dorothy's following alongside. I work alone, said Randall. And you think I don't? My horse and yours seem to have struck up a bond. Horse love. They gave each other a look of begrudging acceptance, turned to the open road, and galloped off together. Let's just have a little stretch. Every little stretch that took it out of me telling that one. A classic Western standoff. Two hands, both claimed to be the fastest hand in the West, but only one could be right, I guess, well, until, well, we still don't know because they still haven't shot each other, but here they are, now forced to unite together because of horse love. Two horses have a strong connection and they will not leave each other's side and so they must continue on together. But what's her name? Dorothy doesn't strike me as the motherly type, whereas old Randall, he wants to look after that kid. So you've got to, got to give it to him. He must have some seen. He must have seen some things in that life of his um, that have caused him to have a strong connection with this kid. We don't, yeah. I mean, clearly, we don't want the kid in the hands of old wily Harry Langdale because, I mean, you've just he just gives the impression of a bit of a you know, bit of an Egypt. He's there, uh, all he cares about is gold, doesn't he? Yeah, in my head, I imagine him like old Stinky Pete from uh, Toy Story 2, but a cross between Stinky Pete and Elvis, like a fat Elvis. Um, but like a bad guy. Um, so that's, yeah, that's what I imagine. If we want to hear the moral of this story, I'd say the moral of this story is to, uh, care for children and not money and do what you can to survive if it doesn't hurt others. I think that might have been the moral of one of the stories last week. I mean, the, yeah, the writer of this the boondoggle must, you know, he works from a similar palette a lot of the time. Since this is the, the first of this, you know, the first of these Western stories, there won't have been a, a theme tune. Stories only get theme tunes after they've been on their second time. So hopefully this next story will have a theme tune. This is a story about our friend, Tim Wav, the pub owner 
in Courchevel. So right now you hear a theme tune for him. Hey, I'm Tim. I live in the mountains. I am a really chill guy. Come to my pub, grab yourself a drink, but please don't kill my vibe. If you want to live like me, take a breath and then you'll see. Life is easy. So previously with old Timmy Timmy Wav, you'll know that he... Well, there's a new a new bar in town in Courchevel, and it's called the Folly Something. And so he had a little row with the owner of the Folly Something. What was his name? Uh, François Le Poisson. Uh, an argument with him uh, because he was just ruining the vibe of the mountains. And although he didn't win the race that they eventually ended up having, he was yeah he came off the better because he's got. Yeah, he's got staff and customers that love him, and that's what really matters. And so let's move on to story two of this week, and story two in the life of Tim Wav. And this story is called, All That Glitters Is Not A Gold Medal. There's a few clouds, but we've had a heck of a dump over the last week, so the snow will not be an issue for anyone looking to embrace the powder today. Use it while you can, because I don't expect there'll be much coming up. Oh, and the the Winter Olympics are on, so, uh, you know, but that's the last I'll say about that. Tim Wav uploaded the video to Le Jolie Bois, or The Jolly Boys, and headed back down the mountain. His favourite run was heaving with people, so Tim's cheerful demeanour was taking a little vacation. He returned to his pub, also heaving with people, and the staff and a few of his loyal customers began to sing. Master of the Alps, drinker of the beers, everybody loves the landlord. What a lovely boss, Timmy Timmy Wav, everybody loves the landlord. Although he could barely hear it above the racket of all the new customers, the song warmed his heart. He got behind the bar and got to work. Why can't we just show some footy, have a band singing Mr Brightside and other mid noughties hits and sell some beer? Is that too much to ask? Tim said. Oh, it's not too bad, is it, Tim, is it? Money comes in after all, said Linda. Hey, money doesn't matter. The vibes are key. I'd sleep in a shed if the vibes were right. Oh, Tim, you're a simple soul. Just then, the USA snowboarding team enter, fronted by their leader, Billy Gray. He had long golden hair, a baggy hoodie, and two gold medals hanging around his neck. They each grab a pint off the nearest bystander, down it and hold the glass upside down above their heads. Hey, 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 I won as you... No, he's not from down south. Well, he's a Californian kind of guy. Hey, hey, dude, hey, dude, hey, dude. Hey, I won as usual. You dudes are a bunch of slow coaches. Hey, dude, I won as usual. Hey, dude, dude, hey, dude. Hey, dude, I won as usual. You dudes are a bunch of slow coaches, said Billy. Then he went to the bar where the crowd parted aside to make way for them. Tim stood and faced them. Hello, mate. I believe there's a queue there, and you've just pushed in. Billy was taken aback. It was not often anyone stood up to the world-class snowboarder. 
cue. I didn't see a cue here. He turned to the people either side of him. Was there some sort of cue here? They all shook their heads out of fear. See, my friend, you clearly don't know who I am. Tim didn't know, for he lived a simple life and didn't care for competitions. I don't know, and I don't care, replied Tim. Well, I booked an extra seat on the plane home just for my medals, said Billy. That's ridiculous. You'd need over a hundred medals to need an extra seat. That's the thing, barman. I don't need it. Now get me four beers for me and my boys. Actually, make that eight. Tonight, we're getting wasted. Tim was pissed off. These guys thought they could walk around doing anything they want just because of a few flips. Oh, Tim, they'll be gone soon. Don't make a fuss, Linda piped in. He reluctantly, he reluctantly kept his mouth shut and poured the pints. A few hours later, and the bar was even more rammed than before. Tim continued to pour pints and look over at Billy Gray and the US and the USA snowboarding team in disdain. Once the tourists had found out Billy and his boys were drinking at Le Jolie Bois, they all flooded in. They didn't care for tradition or the tranquility of the mountain. Billy paraded around the pub, saying things like, I'm so effing hammered, man! I am the mountain! And, I'm winning gold in the morning, baby! And, I am America! America is Billy! But Tim couldn't kick him out. It would cause way too much hassle. Billy wandered up to each table and challenged them to an arm wrestle. Everyone accepted just to touch the hand of the great Olympian. He would roll up his sleeves and slam his elbow on the table. Come on then, buddy! I'm the king of this mountain! He would say. He would win every time. Was it out of strength, intimidation, or out of his opponent's sheer politeness? We'll never know. Anybody mind if I use the hot and cold urinal? Billy said before having a wee in the sink. No one was there to hear him, though. He kicked open the door from the toilets and shouted, I have the strength of the bear! Tim took a deep breath and calmed himself down. That was until Billy approached him. Dude, arm wrestle! Hey, look, man. I'm not that kind of guy. I'm just a chilled-out bloke. Hey, I'm chill, I'm chill. But you're going to arm wrestle me now. Hold, hold, hold on. But Billy stopped him. And if you don't, well, me and my boys here, we're going to tear this place apart. We're going to flip over the tables and spill your drinks. By this point, there were a few customers left. Tim's staff watched the confrontation. I don't know who you are, mate, and I don't care. I'm a chilled out guy. I'm smooth. I glide about over the snow. I don't compete like you. I'm just happy just being me. Your gold medals mean nothing to me. Billy had never encountered anything like this. He turned to his boys and, and declared war. They flipped the tables, spilt the drinks, threw wet toilet paper at the walls. They were crazy, but Tim kept his cool. He was a lover, not a fighter. Eventually, the staff calmed down and left the pub. Don't worry, guys, we'll sort it in... I just burped there. Don't worry, guys, we'll sort it in the morning, said Tim to his staff, and off they went. The following morning, Tim uploaded his daily weather report and, went and returned to the pub. He was disappointed with the behaviour of Billy Gray last night, but today was a new day, so he was determined not to dwell on it. 
All he had to do was clean up the mess and he could begin as new. But when he got to the pub, what he found was a delight. All of his staff and his favourite customers had gathered together to fix last night's shenanigans. The pub was was back to its brilliant best and they all sang. Master of the Alps, Timmy Timmy Wav, everybody loves the landlord. He does it like a fight, his face is a delight. Everybody loves Jimmy Wav. Oh, and yes, Billy Gray did win gold that day, but word had got around about his disrespectful behaviour to the lovely Timmy Wav, and no pub would have him in for his celebrations. That is, of course, except for Francois Le Poisson at the Folly Something, for he is a man of little integrity. that glitters is not a gold medal what a good title what a good title um yeah it's it's amazing that you can find all these stories from a book you find just like under the table leg of a table in a cafe but just goes to show if you look around you look up you look down instead of just straight on you can find anything really um including yeah a book so, yeah, the moral of that story, well, it's the, well, it seems to be a recurring issue with old Timmy Timmy Wav. Just stand up for yourself and just, yeah, stay strong. And if you're a nice guy, then your friends will help you out. Um, that might be a bit too sentimental, a bit too optimistic. That might not be truth in reality. But, you know, it's still, it's a good way to try and live. Don't just have an arm wrestle with someone just because they tell you to. Yeah, that's the, is that is that the message? Don't have an arm wrestle. Have an arm wrestle if you like, but not because you're threatened to, unless it costs you your life. Yeah, yeah. I think if Tim had a gun to his head, he might have done the arm wrestle, but... You just you can't give in to threats like that just because someone's going to flip over some tables in your pub. And Tim's come to realise that he's got people that have, have got his back. They might not fight for him because he's not a fighter. And he hires people that are lovers, not fighters. But what they will do is they'll help out. They'll wipe down tables and mop up spilt drinks and put tables up the right way and and a little appearance from old Francois Le Poisson again if you heard last week you'll know that we don't like him but yeah so let's move on to the third and final story of the week oh this is one we've heard a lot from this guy and he's got his own theme tune here it is The power of iron. Yes, it is the stories of iron deficiency man, Angus, and his girlfriend, Jessica. Last week we left Angus uh, just laying down for a night on the factory floor. He started working in Iron Pills, Inc. And uh, so he's just surrounded by iron pills all the time, which he... We've come, we've come to realise that he's actually got a very crippling addiction to iron. So it's not a laughing matter. Um, but Jessica's trying to help him out. I mean, 
She has kicked him out of the house because, I mean, you can't blame her, really. He's nothing but trouble. But love knows no bounds and she's she wants to help out, I guess. But, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens this week anyway. So this story is called The Iron Always Rises. Angus lay down on the cold floor, ready for his first night in the factory. He closed his eyes and thought of Jessica. Oh, his sweet Jessica. Jessie, Jessie, Jessica. He remembered the drum and bass evenings they would frequent. This is like our version of a barn dance, he remembered saying to Jessica on the dance floor, and she would think about it, waving her hands in the air and gazing into the darkness before saying, Yeah. Those memories are all lovely and that, but you have to forget about her now, he told himself. Just as he was drifting off, he was awoken by a nudge. His eyes sprung open to see a face leaning over him. It was the haggard, greying face of an ageing man. He had a grisly beard and a dirty beanie perched on his head. He looked like a homeless Ian Beale, but older. When Angus opened his eyes, the old man jumped too. Huh? He leapt back and Angus sat bolt upright. What are you doing in my face? Angus said as the man cowered in a corner. I think you'll find that it is you that is intruding on me, said the man. I don't know about that. I got here over 16 hours ago. And I arrived here over 30 years ago, Angus gasped. So you see, it is you intruding on me. But I do not mind. I could do with the company. You cannot live on your own forever. He lifted his raggedy jumper to reveal his skin covered in noughts and crosses games. In blood. All of them draws, he said. What's your name? Old Wrinkles. Where'd you get that name? My mother. Not much hope for you then, (laughs) Angus said. I guess not, but let me hear about you, he said, now crawling towards Angus, as he remained sat bolt upright. There is only one thing that draws a man to this life. Old Wrinkles looked to him and and found the words he was looking for. I'll repeat that bit, because it has a lot of tension if you say it right. I guess not, but let me hear about you. He said, now crawling towards Angus, as he remained sat bolt upright. There is one thing that draws a man to this life. Old Wrinkles looked to him and found the words he was looking for. In synchronicity, they both whispered, Iron Deficiency. He leapt back once again. Young child, you must be careful chasing the one thing you desire. The iron path can be treacherous, so tread carefully. You must learn what is a snake and what is a ladder, what is a trap and what is a trampoline, what is a lift and what is an escalator, a down escalator. What on earth are you talking about? For God's sake, boy, if you take too much iron, you'll end up like me. Pace yourself. There's such a thing as too much iron? Indeed there is, of course. You're told one a day to keep us down. Two a day and you begin to see what is possible. I believe four a day is the optimum. 
but I pushed it too far. Twenty a day. The human form cannot handle it. You begin to wither away. Look what I've become. In not just old age. I'm forty-eight. Now it was time for Angus to cower. You're disgusting, he said. I know. Old wrinkles shielded his face. Now we must sleep. You have a big day ahead of you tomorrow. Jessica continued with her life, turning up to work at the garden centre as usual to keep the money coming in. It was a little more boring without Angus around, but that's just like every breakup. It's tough at first, but you get used to it. Once again, she divulged her problems with the petunias. Oh, I just want a normal life, Petunia. Oh, life was beautiful just three weeks ago. It was simple. Now it's nothing but trouble. The doctor! Go out with him! Oh, no, Petunia, he's not my type. But he might be able to help. A doctor's note solves everything. No, I'm not going out with him. The following day, Angus is performing his best work putting 60 pills in each pot as they glide past him on the conveyor belt, only taking out four a day. It was a struggle to resist popping as much as he was used to, but old wrinkles was there for support, like his sponsor. But for a man with iron levels as high as his own, with his quickness of thought, his high levels of energy, and his high libido, he believed he was too good for the factory floor, so he went about getting himself a promotion. Mr Higginbottom? I got a feeling you aren't operating towards your maximum efficiency, he said, sitting opposite the head of Iron Pills, Inc. Oh, yes, go do go on, I'm all ears. Well, those conveyor belts we use? Yes. If they went faster, we could fill up more pots in the same time. Yes, carry on. So I believe you should speed them up. By gosh, man, that might just work. And Angus left the building with a smirk on his face. Meanwhile, Jessica paced around Dr Robert Palmer's office, explaining the extent of the problem. I've kicked him out of the house. I couldn't take it no longer. Doctor, he's, he's working in the factory now. I really think he's got an addiction to that stuff and I don't know what he's going to do. You know, I'm sort of an expert when it comes to addiction. Oh, Doctor, that's fantastic. Please help. Well, it's more of an addiction you might have. I don't understand, Doctor. Are you, by any chance, addicted to love? He said with a smile. No, Doctor, I'm not. Now help me with this problem, will you? Okay. I'll give Mr Higginbottom a call and warn him of Angus's addiction. The doctor picked up the phone and called Mr Higginbottom. Hey, Higgsy, how's it hanging? Oh, brilliant. Well, here's the thing. It's one of your new guys, a Mr Angus. Yes, well, uh, I, d I don't know how to say this. I think he has an addiction to your products. No, I'm being serious. I am. Totally. Okay. Ah, okay. And with a disheartened tone, he said, I'll pass on the good news. Then he hung up. He turned to Jessica to deliver the blow. 
Jessica, Angus has just been promoted. Wow, so, yeah. With the optimum amount of iron pills, Angus has found a way to make himself look great within the iron pills, Inc. And, yeah, he's gone up one level in the company, but who knows, who knows where he'll go. And will he keep old wrinkles as like a little um, companion? Or could old wrinkles be some sort of golem figure who's desperate for the life that Angus is uh, getting for himself? And Gollum could try and fight him. And uh, I don't know, or maybe, 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 yeah, maybe old wrinkles is past it. Maybe he's just a wise old man that's quite happy in the basement. Not the basement, on the factory floor. Uh, it's good to see Jessica trying to do something. She could just give up on him. I mean, it, it's, at the end of last week, it really seemed she had, given that she kicked him out of the, the house. But she... Yeah, it's good. it's good that she's just not letting go of someone who's got a crippling addiction. And that's a lesson we should all learn if you have any of those people in your life. Is that the moral of the story too? Hold on, don't give up on people who are struggling. Um, Maybe kick them out of your house. Um, But, uh, because they need to learn something. But then also, a moral of the story from Angus's point of view is, well, you can see that too much of a good thing can lead to badness. So just have the right amount of the good thing and then you'll get a promotion. Yeah, I guess that is, yeah, that's the story. That's the moral. So that is our three stories for this week. They've been, yeah, a real mix. It, I mean, I'll tell you what, I did enjoy that Wild West story. Really took it out of me though. Yeah, I hope to hear some more from them in the future. But, you know, as I've said, I haven't read ahead of their book, so we'll never know until we get there, I guess. Yeah, we'll never know until we get there. Do I have anything else to add? Yeah, uh, just, you know, give us a follow on the socials. I've realised that a lot of people don't know about this podcast because I'm not really promoting it on Twitter or Facebook, just Instagram. And not everyone has Instagram. But I'm not really on Twitter because it makes me sad. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just trying to promote it on Instagram. So, Instagram and word of mouth, I guess. Maybe we should put some flyers up. Flyers, eh? Um, yeah, the usual. I think just follow me on the Boondog and I'll post everything Boondoggle related on there. And then once this has got big enough to um, to demand its own page, then it'll get its own page. It's as simple and as easy peasy as that. Um, do I have anything else to add? You know, message in, like, subscribe. I don't know what I mean by like. There's no like button. Um, yeah, subscribe. Subscribe to the poddy. Um, on all your podcast mediums leave a review leave a good one if you like it 
don't leave a bad one if you don't like it, because that won't help me. And I'm really hot. Right, I don't know if I have anything else to add. Um, yeah, we'll see. Okay then, goodbye. Uh, what, what? What's my outro? Okay, goodbye for this week. I have been the Boondog, and you have been listening. Hey, uh, bye. Bye. See ya. Goodbye. Cut the door on the way out. The podcast's over. Did you like it? Did it have characters that you could relate to? Or did you turn it off? I'm guessing probably not.